AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elliman's CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back, and uh, I hope you had a, a good break. Uh, we were in the middle of talking about foreclosures and, uh, you know, with foreclosures in New York and comparing it to what happened in the 2007 and 2008. And Ace, if you remember, people were calling us, and they were getting foreclosure notices all over the place. And I remember that somebody that worked for me called me and said, you know, I have a foreclosure. I just want to tell you that I'm in foreclosure and I'm going to be moving, but I'm going to stay with the company. And I said, don't move. By the time they foreclose on you in New York, it will be years. And I know in California, like people got foreclosed and they were at their house like in a week or two. So could you talk about that? Is the foreclosure different in different states? And what is it like in New York? Because I knew I knew someone who was living in a house eight years and hadn't made a mortgage payment from 2007, and then went, you know, would go to the bank, and the bank didn't need any more houses back, and they just kept on postponing and postponing. Eight years later, they took, well, I think the, the, the guy spent like almost a million dollars on the house, and he had like close to that in the mortgage, and they forgave most of it and, and, and reduced it to nothing. And there was a, I'll never forget it, a man called up our show, an ace, I don't know if you remember, but he said, here I am, I did the right thing, I bought a house that I could afford, I didn't go over my head, I didn't, and then you could borrow tons of money, even if you didn't have it, I didn't do what some of these people did, and they bought houses that they really couldn't afford if they lost an income or something, and my friends are all forgiven, or they reduced their mortgage, and I, who've been paying my mortgage diligently, you know, no matter what, paying, 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 I get no break. And yeah, that, that was a very inequitable. Very... You remember that, Ace? I mean, I remember. How... I remember, Dottie, and and we had squatters um, in the home too back then, right? So right. I think I think I think the most important fact that that folks need to know is that most banks, if not every bank, they're not in the business to collect. Um, inventory or collateral, right? So they, they want to lend money, not actually go after and, and, and foreclose on the property. So the court proceedings, it's definitely behind in New York, right? And, and look, every market is different. And that's why if you look at a, a list, a lot of folks will say, hey, do you have a foreclosure list for New York City or, right. or Queens or, or, or different, right. um, I guess? They asked me too. Exactly, here, right? And, and there's very little. But if you go to upstate New York, you'll see a lot more. It's because the, the court proceedings here, it takes a lot longer, at least now minimum two years. And Stephen can probably talk to this more. But, you know, it, it, it takes quite some time. And right now the city is behind, to be honest, right? So, you know, is, is that process a long process? Is it, is it something that if folks are in that foreclosure process, you know, some of the things that they can do, uh, and, and, and look, every single bank is different, but if you're behind on payments, the banks aren't looking to take that home away from you, right? If you just call them 
and you work out a payment structure or you or you work out some sort of payment plan, they'll work with you because to Dottie's point, the last thing that they want to do is, you know, take away your home, right? That's not that, – that, They that's don't They're not. They don't, want to, they don't want to be in the housing. They don't want to do what we do. They don't so want to sell I houses. They don't want to be in the housing market, right, Dottie? So they, they're not doing what we do, right? So, um, Ace, you know, you know what they, I read? Uh, because I was doing some homework on 2008, and, and yeah. it said that the banks, after they would go through this foreclosure pop and we do – they would have lost less money if they just gave the home away. If they just said, just correct, keep your home. Correct. Okay, that's, imagine that's that. I mean, Stephen, I said, if the banks in 2007, 2008 just said, you know what, you can't pay ACE, well, then just keep your house and call it a day, they would have lost less money the way they went after all these people. They had all these agents that were foreclosure agents. Yeah. Now, Stephen, the question I want to ask you is, though, I remember in California, like, people got evicted, like, in three weeks. Are the laws different about foreclosures in different states? Absolutely. The uh, foreclosure laws are 100% state-driven. That's that's the first thing. Uh, in New York, you know, it's interesting. People say I'm applying for a mortgage, but let's really be specific. You're really applying for a real estate loan. The mortgage in New York is the legal document that gives the bank that lean on the property so they can go after you if you don't pay. New York is what we call a judicial foreclosure state. The bank has to institute a lawsuit against you if you don't pay. If you are in other states, I'll pick on Arizona for a moment because we, we a recent transaction there that we had, the, they have something called a deed of trust, and literally the trustee that gets nominated, you know, once you get past 90 days, uh, they can auction it off. It's a much faster process. It's a very different type of process. Um, so the costs to the bank are much higher uh, in New York. Um, and, and look, at some point, you know, on the one hand, you know, you said, yes, maybe the banks would have saved money if they didn't go after people. At a certain point, you know, bank, you know banks are a business like any, anyone else. And if they're going to be taking massive losses, um, then they're they're going to either not lend in markets or charge higher fees to figure out for the risk. Um, so you know that that's an important point to keep in mind. We don't want to have it where lenders are afraid to be in our market if we make it too difficult and people can get away with too much. So that that's an important balance we need to remember. So what do you see as differences now? I mean, it's maybe too early to tell, because but. Uh, I see, well, I see that maybe the one difference is that people, if you have put down a decent down payment, you're less likely to want to go into a foreclosure and lose your house because you had money in the game. But if you didn't have any money, if like Ace said, in those days you had that stated income, you really had to put very little down. So if you don't have much down and your value goes down, the people would just soon not pay it. Um, but that's I, exact, I, I that's exactly people right. For years, would be in foreclosure and in, in, in New York, at least. And and I don't, I'm not sure about Connecticut um, or Jersey, but I, I would assume they're similar to New York. I mean, I don't, I, I just remember the West Coast being a lot easier. Um, and I think you're right, Ace. Though they won't, they don't want the the properties back, but they suffered really a big financial uh, hardships then. And we hope that that doesn't happen today. And as you said, it's a pandemic. It's not an economic crisis. But here's my fear. And I always try to look at positives, but I have to be honest. Uh, 
I'm looking at how many. Here's what I'm looking at. I I'm looking at okay. There's X amount of people that were like laid off or or they lost their jobs immediately. Okay, that's some number and it's pretty big. But now I look at all the businesses that are smaller businesses, and I was just honest with those the other CEOs talking about this, who, who really to open up in New York or to just open up again, and you're a small business when people, if you're say a restaurant and and Ace, you you're in the, that business also, your family is so. You know, a lot of people don't feel safe inside yet. So even though you're, we're reopening, uh, you really don't have, you can't have the capacity anymore, okay? And uh, many people are, are okay outside but not feeling comfortable inside. And like take last night where it rained, um, well, for the restaurant business, unless you just wanted to sit out in torrential rains and eat, um, it had to be a, a bad day, a bad So. I, I look at businesses that I think are just not going to make it. I was talking to some venture capital people on this call yesterday. They were huge venture capital people, and they were telling me that as far as lending out money in venture capital, they're not likely. Like they said, well, look, we have to meet the people over Zoom, and we're still old-fashioned that we would rather we want to you know, look at their financials, but we also would like to get a feel for the people that we're lending money to in person, and since they're not traveling now, they feel that what's going to happen is the money is going to be really lent to larger companies, like, you know, companies that are larger. I look at small businesses. I don't know how many of them are really going to survive this. So I expect to see more unemployment as businesses try to reopen, and some of them can't. Or when you reopen the economy, I think we talked about it last week, it just doesn't feel – it's not like, you know, a light switch, you just turn it on. It's going to take a while. And, of course, with the news, and now they're saying, oh, and by the way, New York, congratulations, New York, um, and congratulations, Connecticut. I think the only states that have less uh, of the virus that we've gone down to 1%. And I think Connecticut and Vermont are the only states ahead of us. Now, coming from having being the epicenter, that's terrific. But, of course, the news is like, oh, we're going to get a second wave. It's going to happen in the fall. And, by the way, in the fall, you won't be able to tell whether it's a virus or a flu. So, therefore, everyone will have to go to hospitals. They'll be flooded because they won't know. And it's just bombarding people with such bad things. So I, I just wonder if that unemployment really is going to stay the same. I, I think that, it has Daddy? a lot. Yeah. I, I, you know, I spoke with a good friend of mine whose family has a, a major national lighting business. And so I said, how's it going? He goes, it's actually, you know, the start with the year was slow with everything going on. But, you know, what? things are going to turn out. If things stay the way they all turn out to be a nice year. And I said, what's changed? And right. he goes, it's interesting. You know, we're obviously hotels are not investing in new lighting, although we have a little bit of business there. But we're seeing business in assisted living. Um, stores that are lighting stores that have showrooms, the traffic is down, so that business is down, but they're seeing a massive increase in direct online orders because people want to spruce up their homes because they're spending a lot more time there. So they said, you know, we're seeing the overall same level of business, but the nature of the business, who the buyer is, direct, online, different industries have modified. Um, so 
you know, universities, I think, are using some of this time to also make improvements. They got a number of universities making progress. So I would say this. We got to always be very careful. This is a period of what I would call creative destruction where there is going to be changes in how business is done, right? You know, when I was young, we had cassette tapes in the radio. Those manufacturers don't exist anymore. They got replaced by the CD manufacturers, and now we have the MP3, MP4 players. It doesn't mean that people don't listen to music anymore. So we want, I want to be very, very careful. It's a matter of finding how do we take this need that's there, and this is the essence and, and the beauty of progress and capitalism, of finding a new way to deliver that service. And so I think we're going to see some you know, changing of the rules and, and look for it in a different way. And what's important is that in the real estate industry, which is a little bit slower to change than other industries, that we figure out how do we get ahead of that um, and deliver the services that need, that, that's needed for both the cities and the suburban markets. Well, I agree with you, Steve, and, like, and I'm really not as worried about the real I mean, When I say the real estate industry, people are not going to stop buying homes. I mean, that's yeah. just not going to happen. Maybe people were nervous and they wanted to wait and see, so they put up buying for a while. But I'm talking about, you know, companies that are small, you know, and I, I forgot the number, but it's really high. Most businesses are not like, you know, IBM or like, you know, Amazon, whose stocks went off the wall. Like, <laughs> you'd be rich if you had Amazon stock. Um, they're small businesses, and it's cash flow. So when I say cash flow, I just think that, you know, you're, you're, you're paying for the expenses of a business that was virtually closed for three or four months. And now you're going to wait, you know, as the city is reopening, but it's going to take a while for people to really return to the way they were. And I, I must say that when you say, well, normal, as people have corrected me and said, Dottie, no, it's not normal. It's not ever going to return to normal. It's going to be a new normal. So I couldn't, I agree with you there, but I, I'm saying, you know, we were comparing this to the foreclosures in, in, in 2007 and 2008, and I just wonder if we've really seen the bulk of these these numbers come out yet, because I think there's going to be a lot more unemployment. Now, as we reopen, jobs will open and there'll be new jobs. But I, I just think that, you know, there's a lot of still uncertainties that, that are going on. And, you know, I was talking to, again, these big COP, they're not, not in the real estate business, and they were like, Dottie, it's about having a skill today that's needed. Okay, and of course, there's different skills that are needed in the in the world we're living in today. But, in but, but Dottie, can I just say one thing about compared to 12 years ago? What people were doing is people were using, and the banks were right by their side, going along with it, using their bank as a uh, using their property as a cash register. They bought properties they couldn't afford, and they were counting on it appreciating and refinancing. And also, rates simultaneously were dropping. I, I know it seems so far in the past no, that right. people were, were at seven percent right. and six and five, and then taking cash out. Right now, people can't ride the downward mortgage interest rate, which they did 12 years ago. So I, I feel like it's different. And the other positive thing I might say is that the venture capitalist friends that you're talking about, and obviously I don't know who they are and we don't want to say who they are, 
they're talking about what they're looking for and the level of scrutiny of who they're going to invest in. But you know what I find positive about that? They're looking for businesses to invest in. They they have money to invest in. And when they say, we don't have money to invest, that's when people should be worried. Not that they're being a little cautious or doing more due diligence. That's good. I'm a big fan. That's part of what attorneys get paid for, to really look underneath the mattress to make sure everything's okay. But... That's absolutely right. That's such a good point. And Ace, then people were taking all the equity out in their properties and buying more yes. properties and buying stuff. They were using it as a piggy bank. And then they, what happened is they might have lived in the house for 20 years where they or 30 years, and they would have had their mortgage paid off. But because they took all the equity out, then the, the prices dropped, and they had no equity left in their house. So that's very different. And you're, that's such a good point, right? I mean, Ace, you see that's a big difference. Definitely, Dottie. And, and, and look, people are pulling out equity, but I wanted to make a comment on, on small businesses, right? Especially right. Um, to what you said, uh, Dottie, and to what Stephen um, just just um, just really continued to, to emphasize the fact that financial institutions are looking for businesses to invest in. But it will be very interesting the next couple of months as we see small businesses have challenges coming back, right? As a small business owner myself, owning restaurants, even at full capacity when every everything is at 100%, it's a very low-margin business, and most entrepreneurs reinvest in their business, meaning that there's very little cash flow. So right now, the challenge is that so many folks are, are on unemployment, so they're not looking to come back. But when unemployment stops, which they're saying the end of July that may be the last sort of unemployment check for folks that are applying, the rubber is going to meet the road, meaning the folks that are collecting unemployment that want to come back to these jobs that don't have jobs to come back to because restaurants can't open up again or small businesses don't have the cash flow to open up. Now the question is, will financial institutions invest in these types of businesses? And that's going to be something that that we will have to wait and see because that's going to be interesting, right, financial institutions. And we're seeing that more and more every single day where they're coming in and they're saying, you know what, I like this small business. I like the value that they're bringing. I may want to invest in these businesses. But the capital lines that these small businesses used to have, I mean, they're, to your point, Dottie, they're almost non-existent anymore because so many people are, are looking at, well, is this? the business model that they want to invest in going into the future, right? So there's there's a little bit of an unknown there, but to, to Stephen's point, the financial institutions, the bigger corporations, those, those are their folks that will be sort of like the source of funding for these small businesses going forward. Yeah, I, I, I after we have a commercial break coming up, but I really want to talk a little about what, now the mortgage rates, I think they're under three now, and it, I, don't, I didn't think they could get any lower, so... Oh. After the commercial, I'd like to talk a little about where do you, where do mortgage rates go from here? I mean, they're at such lows, <laughs> and uh, again, if you didn't refinance, I really think you really need to take advantage of that. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about mortgage rates and where we see them going and what they are right at this moment in time, and they are lower than I ever remember. Well, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember them this low. Aisha, tell us like that. Relief Factor, effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. 
I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. And then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies. With everything in our toolkit working for you digital audio mobile even audience engaging contests and promotions contact salem surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan learn more by logging on to surroundnewyork.com connecting you with new customers in an era where it's tough to know which news outlet to trust at a time where it's difficult to find facts not just opinion there is an oasis in the news desert. It's the Katz Roundtable. John Katzimatidis, the personification of the American dream, who built a multi-billion dollar business empire, talks with some of the nation's top newsmakers every Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. You won't just hear partisan spin. You'll hear directly from the newsmakers who are shaping the news cycle in the city, the country, and the world. On the Katz Roundtable, you won't just hear about politics. You'll hear about science, business, education, animal rights, and any other topics that you're interested in. Catch the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning starting at 8.30 on AM 970. The Answer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back and we're talking about the, I'm here with Stephen Everett and Ace Wanna Two Part. And we're talking about the future, like the aftermath after this whole thing is over, although it's going to be with us for a time. Um, so Ace, the... Interest rates, I mean, are they under three now? Under three, Dottie. So they're now, currently are they ever that low? I mean, I can't remember them being that low. Were they? No, this this is the lowest that we're going to see. But, look, we've, we've been saying that rates are going to go up for how many years now, Dottie? I, I would say years. I'm counting eight years. years eight years, years maybe. We're wrong. <laughs> Good thing I didn't bet so, that money on that. <laughs> exactly, exactly, Dottie. But, look, you know, um, I believe we're, this is probably going to be the lowest that we've seen. Um, I know a lot of banks are holding um, th- this this sort of threshold at 2.875. If it goes any lower, 
uh, banks won't be able to make back their their money that's being lent uh, for the next 30 years, right? So I think at 2.875, we're at the lowest point. Um, barring another sort of second wave, I, there's only so much the banks can can actually follow the the treasury. So I think I think what we're seeing today, Dottie, is at our lowest point um, with capacity issues. You know, loans being in the pipeline for for quite some time. If you're refinancing now, banks are taking north of 90 days to close, Dottie, because of all of the volume coming in, because everybody that has the ability to refinance, they're all refinancing this year, right? So um, banks are well, let, Let's just rewind everyone again. Yeah. Okay, again, you know, with yeah. all the junk that's going on and the horror, you know, the, the, the financial uh, devastation people have had, there's some good things, and this is an it's opportunity. This is an opportunity for those of you who own homes or for those of you who are thinking to buy a home, okay? If you own a home, really take the time and go look, call up Ace, okay? Leave your name with the radio show or go to, you know, call us up. Find out because you can save yourself. And as Ace said, we've been saying the rates are going to go forever, but sooner or later they have to, and I don't ever remember them this low. <laughs> Okay, and if you're buying a home, you know, this is the pandemic. So people say, well, who would buy a home? Well, it probably is one of the best times to buy a home. Uh, You don't, I always used to say this, people, you know, when everyone's buying homes and the prices go up and everything's rising, that is, you know, you can't time it. But right now, you know, and I, you know, we see that it's busy. Go through the buying power, Ace, one more time. I mean, what's what's the difference in mortgage payments? Well, like a half a point or a point. I mean, that it's it's going to make you save thousands of dollars. I bought. I remember when I bought a house and it was fifteen percent, and I got an eleven and a half percent adjustable five year arm, and I said, "Wow, I'm so lucky I got an eleven. So, so Dottie, you know the best the best rule of thumb is for every one percent difference in rate, that's tw- that's a twelve percent buying power for someone that's looking to buy, right? So now 12%. that rates are at two point eight seven five, your money, your borrowing power will go s- such a long way, right? So you can actually borrow four to five times your income today, right? So that's that's a lot of exponential um, wealth of borrowing, right? Now. Dottie, you mentioned that this is a good time. I want to emphasize to our listeners, this is an amazing time, okay? This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So I just want our our listeners to really understand the magnitude of what we're saying, right? So as we say that, you know, through this pandemic, there are certain good things that are happening. Well, this isn't just good, okay, for all of our listeners. This is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If you look at in our whole lifetime, I mean my lifetime, right, and probably not not that long, but I think in the last 60 to 70, 80 years, we've seen the lowest rates we've ever seen in the history of the United States, right? So 2.875 on a 30-year fix, um, I think the only direction, if I'm a betting man and I'm going to Vegas, I, I bet. every Everything that I have in my pocket today that, you know, the only signs of rates bad. going Exactly, right? It's only going to go up. So, if you're looking to buy, if you're 
questioning whether you should refinance, I mean, this is the opportunity, Dottie. I can't emphasize enough. If you're a listener out there, you know, take the time, look at your paperwork. If we can save you, you know, hundreds and, and thousands honest, of dollars a year. People yeah. know to do it, but they just sometimes, you know, They're just, just don't busy, do it. Daddy, you know? Yeah, exactly. people get busy and they, you know, they mean to do it. And I've just got to say to everybody, stop and don't make that mistake. Anyone who has a mortgage, it's worth the call. Call Ace; he'll tell you because I don't. I, it, it is such an opportunity. It is like you know, and the mortgage is like really borrowing free money. <laughs> I mean, it's like really unbelievable, and that's a good thing, and that's really, and that you know, that's going to save you so much money, you can't believe it, and that's really a good thing. So please, where should they go? You know, to your, should they go to Wells or the, what's the website again, or should they? Yeah. They or you can, can go on our Facebook. You know, yeah. we're in the process of doing it. It's up, so you can go on our Facebook page. That's Ion Real Estate. And if you have any questions, you could just ask Ace or Steve or, you know, myself, depending on who it's for, and they'll get – or leave a name and they'll get back to you. They'll uh, get back to you. Yeah. But it's really, really an amazing, really an amazing, amazing time. So I just want to say that again. So, you know, I know I have Sherry and I on the phone, and I want to get a little advice from her on how everything is going on. But I just – so we were we 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 not that there's really an answer, but as so what are you both seeing as future of not just New York City, big cities? Do you think that this is a trend that is temporary, where people are just you know saying, look, you know what, I don't want to be around the big city because of you know the virus and of the densities, and do you think it's just a temporary trend, or do you think it's going to be a trend for the future? What do you think well, about the suburb? You know, I think we, we can't pick a trend by only a couple of months. Um, you know, we're we're obviously seeing a, an outflow of people, um, but also a lot of it I know just from firsthand information are temporary, right? You're seeing some people who did a seasonal rental, some people who were temporary at family and friends. Um, some of those have already started to move back. Um, and then you have some that have bought but my, you know, I throw out there that a lot of those people I feel are people who would have bought. And when I when I actually talked to those clients, what they did was they maybe moved up their schedule to buy by a couple of years. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a trend yet, because it's really a lifestyle choice. You know, do you want the space? Do you value the you know what's there? And what some people are also saying that are let's say temporarily moving out are saying, look. All the reasons that I'm in the city, you know, easy commute to work. Well, I can temporarily work from home. Having all the restaurants, having the theater, having all these options, right now I can't go there, so it's not as fun as I wanted it to be. But those are also, you know, really temporary conditions. You know, we're not seeing companies saying, let's move our headquarters from Manhattan to a suburban office park. That That's not really you know, what's going on or, or what, I, what I'm hearing. So I think what's very important is a temporary condition versus a permanent preference change is really important. Um, but I think what it is, right, for the last few years we were saying, oh, the suburbs are dead, it's all the city. 
you know, it's never as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. I, I think people are now taking this moment to rethink and saying, okay, what are really, what are my preferences that I value? And, and you'll, you'll see some shifts. I th- and, and, you know, people may solve it by also the second home market. And I, and I think that's a something. Like you're going to see a little bit of a resurgence of, oh, let's say, sure. in the northern Hudson Valley, people buying but then realizing that's great as a second home combined with something in the city, not as a replacement. And I think you'll start but, seeing that filter through. But And you also see people who want to, who like normally flew to different places, will say, you know what, if I can get a second home, then I don't have to fly as much and I can get away. So there's a lot of uh, things that are going on. I, I personally think that if I look back and ace, you know, I, I want to ask you because you're dealing with younger people, but I think that people move to the, a lot. This trend happened was it's really age. Like as people are young, they move to the city. You know, you want to be in the city, you want to be around everything, all the clubs are there, everything was going on. Then as they started to have children, uh, then some of them said, you know what, you know, the space is so expensive and there's no place that they really, you know, they can't play and back. So a lot of, you know, people that were had young children moved to the closest suburbs, whether it be the Jersey or Greenwich or, you know, parts of Connecticut, Long Island. And then their kids grew up. They were sitting, you know, and they were all involved in the PTA and all the sports, and then now their kids are in college or they're done with college and they're just looking at each other, the husband and wife, and they're like, you know what, the suburbs is boring. Let's move back to the city. And then that's where you'd see this, then these empty nesters come and get, you know, a Pierre's or an apartment in the city, and then maybe go to Florida. And now I think, you know, I, so I kind of think this, this, the trends, even with, you know, vir- doing work virtually, that was a trend that started already. It's just expediting it. This whole virus is expediting it. So, uh, but I have to say, honestly, um, I don't think the city, I think the city is two or three years away from it really coming back. This is my opinion, the way it was, but that also presents an opportunity for people to buy. And I think prices are going to be off around 5, 6, 7% around there. That's what I'm seeing. I don't know. Um, next week, we're going to talk about how you price a house in the pandemic because there was never one before. Um, I think we have a commercial break, and then I think... Sherry, Dr. Sherry Spree is going to be on for a few words of wisdom from her if you're having a little anxiety from this whole uh, fun of good news. But Have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French, Spanish, or Russian, but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming? Then go to Babbel.com and try it for free. Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. It starts by teaching you words and phrases. Then, sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversations about real-life topics. Babbel is created by language experts who use the space repetition method to help you learn quickly and remember what you learned. With Babbel, you can speak a new language. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L dot com. 
Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. People will call and they'll say, you need to get new actors. The ones you have are really bad. <laughs> Those are truly, actually the calls that people make into their health coaches to get help. I don't sit and tell you it's going to cure the coronavirus. What it does do is that chemistry goes in and it helps your body do what it needs. The reason there's so many different types of successes is because we aren't targeting anyone. All we do is help the body help itself and whatever it finds and it can do and go in and work and fix, that's what it's going to go in and help do. I like the fruits and veggies. I think it's made a difference already. I feel perkier when I wake up in the morning. I kind of wake up and everything's kind of clear. You don't feel like, oh, I just want to roll over. I kind of wake up wide awake, so that's good. Helps me sleep a lot better. My hair grows faster. My nails are stronger. Uh, my skin is cleared up. I know I hadn't been sick at all since I started taking it a couple years ago. Right off the bat, I knew I was feeling better and better and better. But taking balance of nature has given me such peace of mind because I feel like I'm building up on my immune system too. So uh, I'm very grateful. I really value what you're doing. It's so priceless. Man, I'm feeling better. I'm sleeping better. I'm not aching like I used to. It's awesome. You guys got a great product, boy. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751 or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code the answer. It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO Dottie Herman. back and before I just give the hi Sherry Spree how are you are you on the line yes can mm-hmm. you hear me hi. yes and we were just talking as, as, as you know right before the break about you know things that have changed and basically I think that the time that people have had and I think Steve you just Stephen you just said it has given everyone a time to people have had time to think deeply about their lives and their relationships and uh, their attitudes, you know, and it's because, you know, people have had time to really, they've been sheltered in place and they had to, and they had time to think about it. And so I think it's affected everyone in, in certain ways. And I think that there's many good things like rediscovering families and friends and maybe human values. What do you what are you seeing with the the people that you're working with um, as far as you know how it's changed them or some things that maybe have become you know relationships they might have built? Uh, what do you, you know? What are you seeing or what are you hearing? I totally agree with you, but I think it covers the entire spectrum. I think that there are people that have gotten closer to spouses, to roommates. Um, you know, really have fostered that relationship and realized the value of of human contact. I think there are many of my patients that are actually missing being in the workplace and being around colleagues and tired of working alone. They miss having somebody to run something by them. 
feeling that they're more productive when they're in an atmosphere with colleagues? Uh, well, that's an interesting point because um, I asked Stephen Ace, I mean, look, do you, um, this is my opinion. I think Zoom and, and, and the, those kind of uh, virtual uh, conferences are here to stay. I think many, and I was just talking to some, uh, I'll probably have them as guests next week, of commercial uh, people. And they're like, listen, you know, we're, you know, I, I would have taken, if you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said I needed more space. Now I say to myself, no, I could reduce the space. So I think that people will do some combination of that. I think that's a trend. I don't know if you guys agree with me. Do you think it'll ever go, you know, don't you, do you think that it, you know, it'll kind of be a combination when possible that you don't have to come to the office every day? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I was wondering, Steve and Ace, what are you seeing? Do you seeing that people uh, are going to keep doing things like that? They're not going to – I think people got used to working at home, and I think, as you said, Sherry, you know, they, they like the fact that they can work at home and they don't have to be in the office every day if they don't have to be, but they also like the human reaction. I think I think you know there are some people that like love not having to commute and can get up and do whatever they have to do and they feel more productive without the distractions but then there is the other type of person that really does better when they're with a group of people and really misses being in the workspace with colleagues. Well, let me ask Stephen and Stephen and Ace do you think when you do a Zoom, now we're all doing these Zoom meetings and things of that, do you think that they are equivalent to what you would, the experience that you would get if you were in person with a person? I, I don't think so. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Ace. You go first. No, Stephen, I was just going to say, you know, there's, there's something to be said about culture, Dottie. And I think, you know, um, if you're in sales or if you're in any line of work where that relationship is, is, is so critical to the success of the business, right? I think there's going to be a combination of folks working from home because, to your point, folks are used to working from home now, but there's, there has to be that median where you're working from home maybe two days, but you're going to the office for three days because that camaraderie with your fellow coworkers, sharing best practices, it's lost somehow within a Zoom call and working by yourself, right? So I think if people want to get back to where they were in terms of just being a high performer, you know, get yourself back into the office, you know, get into the swing of things again. And, you know, I, I think a compromise, you know, um, uh, yeah, I, that's what I think. I think it's going to be a combination, but I do it's say that, you know, people don't put a value on my opinion of culture, but culture is so important. And, you know, I think that zooms are great. And I think that it saves costs for people like a lot of the conventions, but, you know, the, like, I just, you know, for me, I, I don't want to go to a virtual convention. Maybe I'll see a course or something on it that I'll go to. But I don't, you know, I I, I would miss meeting the people face-to-face. I think there's going to be a combination. Stephen, but I do think that um, people like interaction still. It makes a big difference. Um, you know, I notice it. You know, I lecture a lot. I teach a lot of continuing ed classes for the real estate broker community. And I'll tell you, when I teach it in person versus online, the number of questions when I'm in person are an order of magnitude higher. Um, you know, people are more engaged. When you're on a Zoom, 
you, you can sort of zoom out um, instead of zooming in. And, you know, and it's, and it's important. And then the other thing is also, let's talk about people who are beginning their career. You know, Zoom sort of works if you are an established person, but tell me how does somebody who's two years out of college just breaking into an industry, how do they meet people and get to know them over Zoom when they just do their meeting, get what needs to be done, and, and click off? Um, it's going to hurt the careers of a lot of younger professionals trying to get started, and that's important. You know, it's interesting you say that because that's kind of what we were, they talked about yesterday to me, and they thought that people that are younger, are gonna ha- it's going to be tougher for them to get started. And, you know, I, I would agree with that, but they're also going to miss that experience that you have when you meet coworkers, some of whom you like, some that you don't like. But I don't... I don't know, I don't, maybe, I don't know, I haven't been doing Zoom long enough to really know, but maybe you can build a real relationship online through Zoom because, hey, look, people get married and they just met online. I know somebody who, you know, married somebody that she just communicated online with and the next thing she knew, she met them and they married. So I guess there's a relationship that's formed online to some extent, uh, and maybe we're being old-fashioned. What I'm saying is maybe kids that are, you know, just Growing up in this, maybe it'll be okay for them. Maybe that's what they'll experience. I really don't know. But my feeling is that we're going to do a combination, which is kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think it alters the pattern of speech and interaction, right? If you think about it, you know, we've had this dialogue in different ways. You know, like, for example, people texting, right? When You know, back pre-cell phone, if you made an appointment to meet somebody, people rarely broke that appointment. Now, when texting came out, people could send a text 10 minutes beforehand, sorry, something came up, can't make it. It changed the whole cultural norm of how people interacted. The same thing, you know, I I think will happen if Zoom really becomes the, the new thing. It will, again, change the way people interact um, and, and how they do business and how what words mean and, and signaling. Like if you're, giving a, if you're giving a lecture, you can look in the audience. You can see are, are people falling asleep or are they engaged. If they're on Zoom, you don't really get that feedback. Um, make makes a big you know, difference. that's such a good point, Stephen, because you know, before this I spoke a lot, and I would sometimes listen to speakers who are great, and sometimes I would listen to speakers who I'd say, what are they thinking? Aren't they looking that people are falling asleep and that they should switch the subject or kind of change their 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 whole you know their whole you know just change what they're saying because nobody's paying attention to them? But that's true when you can't see your audience, uh, you know. And then I just got together with friends of you know somebody it was somebody's idea from high school who said you know let's just all get together on Zoom call now ended up to be 20 people. I don't think you could really see 20 people on your screen at one time, and then only one person can talk at a time. So it's really very different. But obviously, to me, it was like a, a nice thing to be able to do. It, not, it doesn't have the – it's not the same, but it's nice when right. you can't – it's like we were able – we wouldn't have gotten together, so it's a nice thing to do. But I do think those trends are here uh, to stay. And I think that uh, – you know, Donnie, my instinct is it's going to be another option. I don't think it's going to be a complete replacement. Like in the medical community, when we have conferences, I mean, 
it, I think that the option that we're going to be able to hear these lectures live by streaming is going to be another option if we can't get to wherever the location is, but I don't think it's going to replace it because one of the other reasons that people go to conferences is to actually meet colleagues and to network. And there's no way that that would be achievable when it's just listening to a virtual lecture. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree it's not the same. The, o the only way I, I could see it really having a, a very close to replacement, if there's such a, an evolution in technology where you could truly have a virtual interactive meeting, where you imagine almost science fiction where you take Zoom and you have, you know, you, you put on your goggles and you're fully immersed like a virtual reality meeting or something like that, but it's really meant to be a surrogate of an in-person meeting. I think people crave that kind of close interaction and that's when you could potentially see the technology replace when it, when it can emulate that. Yeah, I think in my field it's going to be another option so that whoever is going to be hosting the conference is going to have one price to, to attend virtually and another price to attend in, in Reality. We have 30 seconds left, Sherry. Uh, thank you all. We'll be here next week. We'll be talking about how to price your properties in a pandemic and some of the legal things that go on. Be safe, be healthy, and we'll be back next week. Ion Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.